Good morning, church. Welcome to church today. We are here to celebrate the Lord's goodness and his faithfulness to us. Amen. Let's stand together and sing Midnight Clear Love Song. It's an old familiar carol. We have a new little bridge section in there that I believe you guys will catch up, catch on to really quick. It is a sign. All right, when all else fails, we'll just go live. We've got the band here, so let's go.
Hark the herald angels sing. today. How many of you can tell me the color scheme of the choir? <laughs> Green? Very observant of our young folks on the front row. I want them to stand. I want you to see these kids on the front row. Come on, why don't you stand up here? I tell you what, that is great to see, and we're so glad you can sit down now. Thank you very much. Our uh, guest speaker today is Dr. Ken Ellison.
We've had so many doctors here, and I don't even, I'm not even sick. But it's good to have them here today. Dr. Ellison and uh, Mary is with us also. Glad that you're here. Looking forward to a great time this morning. If you're visiting with us, maybe for the first time, you should have been given a visitor's card. It would have been a big red thing. If you were not given that, uh, if you were given that, we ask you to fill it out and put it in the offering plate so we can know who you are and that you were here. Uh, If you were not given one of those in the front of the pew, the pew in front of you, there is a little white connect card. This connect card is not only for our guests and our visitors, but it's also for members because on the back of it, it has a place to put prayer requests. And if you have prayer requests specifically you want us to be aware of, please fill that out and uh, put it in the offering plate so that we can pray for you later. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then you're going to uh, greet one another. This has been a great weekend. This has been, I I mean, the Joy Club went to some place that I can't pronounce. Other than the Smith House, I can say that. I want to say LaDonaga or Don... See, you all were there, weren't you? There was a crowd of people there. There was two buses and a half a dozen uh, cars and some people just showed up and claimed to be with us and uh, Don counted 38 then he counted 35 and he paid for 40 and it, it was a great day yesterday yesterday there were women all over this place back in the fellowship hall and I took a, a moment to kind of walk through there and it was guys it was scary but it was a great turnout, and, and Heather's going to tell us after a while how many were here and, and say some other things. And it's not over yet. Tonight we have a time of, and she's going to talk about that too, a time of caroling. I want to just mention it now because it's, it's been an exciting week, and God's up to something. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, then you can greet one another. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day, for this weekend, Father, for this very moment that we breathe, Father, because we know you have something very special to tell us today, not because of the season and not because of how we're dressed and not because we've gone to do special things, but because you are who you are. You are Almighty God. Every time you open your mouth, it's special. And Father, we look forward to hearing from you today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Stand and greet one another.
together. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart Tell me the story of Jesus. Sweetest that ever was stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear 
Second Tuesday of the month at Laurel Ridge, Laurel Edge Nursing Home, Nursing Facility. You can hear more of that. And you'll have to come hug on people to do it. You'll have to come tell folks how much Jesus loves them and how much you love them. Ushers, if you're here, would you come forward? If you're not, find somebody that will. During the interim period, as we've said every week, there are still, uh, life still goes on. We still have to pay the bills. We still have to uh, keep the doors open. God provides in miraculous ways by uh, your contributions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Father, we thank you for your provisions. We pray this morning that as we give back to you, Father, that you would multiply that into uh, numbers that we can't possibly imagine. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
from the Gospel of St. Luke. And Joseph went up also out of Galilee to Judea, to the city of Nazareth, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the lineage or family descendant from King David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And while they were there, her days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country or in that area shepherds out in the fields, abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And suddenly the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings. I bring you the gospel of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Glory and majesty and power be unto him forever and ever. Amen. What a wonderful message from God at this uh, time of the year. A message that our world desperately needs. Not only here in America, but around the world. And I am thankful that I see you have a goal for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for foreign missions. God bless you. Many of you who were here before Brother Mike Hatton came remembered that Mary and I served you for about a year as your interim, and we would tell you many times about the wonderful ministry that God had given us together, you and us, in Indonesia. Mary and I were your Southern Baptist missionaries in Indonesia for 32 years, and uh, we now are home and... uh, God has given us a ministry of working, going from church to church, helping wherever we can in the needs of the church. But I just want to encourage you to make a very special offering this year to foreign missions, because this is the gospel that Jesus wants to go out into all the world. Notice that the the angel said, for unto you is, I'm getting a little bounce back, cut it down just a little bit, thank you. For this is a gospel for all people. Wherever they are, whatever their ethno-linguistic group is, whatever their language, whatever their culture, Jesus Christ is the only Savior that the world will ever know. And I want to talk to you this morning about Him and about His wonderful glory. You'll notice there is a wonderful phrase here. We We sing about it. We use the word glory, the glory of God. But please notice that in the Luke account, it says that the glory of God shone down upon them. Now this light here and here is very bright. It's shining down on me. If it were not here, I would be in darkness. You could not see the unique features of the person standing here in the pulpit. But these lights illumine. Can you think of the possibility not of this light, this incandescent light, but think about the light of glory 
the light of Shekinah, God's very presence. I believe God's very face shone through the clouds, shone past the stars into this world of darkness. And those shepherds sitting there saw the glory of God shine round about them. What a wonderful theme for our hearts at this Christmas time to talk about the glory of God and may it shine into the face of Jesus and may it shine into your hearts and mine and may it shine into our world. The wonderful message of Jesus is not only in the <clears throat> beginning of the gospel that I read from Luke chapter 2, but I want to focus this morning, if I may, from the end or the closing of the earthly ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of John chapter 17. You have a Bible in the pew. Many of you brought your Bibles. Oh, how thankful we are that you've come and you've brought them. Someone, one of the missionaries tells the story that in Africa, when the Christians come out of their homes and out of their villages on the way to church, they don't carry their Bibles in a, in a bag or in a, a, a something to be hidden. Instead, the African Christians place their Bibles on their heads and they walk with babies in arms and children by the hand to the church. They want everybody in the village to know they're going to church and they're taking God's word with them. The missionary said also, I taught them, be sure and place your tithe and offering on top of that and bring it to church together with your Bible. Well, how wonderful it is to be with you this morning, and I thank you for this opportunity. And uh, I'd like to share a message with you this morning on the glory of God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 17, you will remember that our Lord, just before he was uh, taken captive and taken out and brutally treated, and finally crucified and rose again on the third day, Jesus gathers his disciples. He gathers his, his followers together. And in the upper room, he not only washes their feet, he not only shares the Lord's Supper with them, but according to John, he gives them a rather extended teaching period. And that is recorded for us in, God, in John's Gospel, chapter 12 through 17. And as Jesus closed his message and teaching to his disciples, I believe that they were the seed church. They were the believing church that were gathered around Jesus. And so this message that Jesus gave to his disciples then, I think is a message that God wants his church to hear today. And this message is so important because we hear Jesus coming together, drawing his disciples together in prayer. And chapter 17, in fact, is one long prayer from the mouth of Jesus. Look at chapter 17, verse 1. And Jesus was saying these things. He lifted his eyes to heaven. And you could have quotation marks there, for this is what John, Jesus said. Father... The hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. For thou hast given him power over all flesh, 
that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me. Now, O Father, glorify me with thine own self with the glory which we had before the world was. For I have manifested thy name. I have revealed thy name to men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were and thou gavest me them, and they have kept thy word. And so Jesus is talking about the glory, the glory that shone down at Bethlehem, but the glory also shone down in the person of Jesus. The Apostle Paul gathers that together in one of the most fascinating and glorious statements in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 when he says that the God, the Creator, who said in the beginning, let light shine into this darkened world, is the very one, the very one, the Creator God, who has shown into our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ the Lord. He has shown His glory into our hearts. Oh, dear friends, what a wonderful message that God wants to give you this morning. It is that not only did the glory shine at Bethlehem, and the glory shine in the life and face of Jesus and His ministry, and the glory of God shone at Calvary's cross when Jesus died for your sins and mine and a lost world, and the glory of God shone on that first morning, the first day of the week, when our Lord was resurrected from the, among the dead. And His glory shone as Christ ascended into the presence of the Father. And Jesus lifted His hands over His disciples and He said, Now go back to work. Now get out of here and go back to work. And that's what our Lord is saying to His holy church this morning. His glory shines round about us, that His glory may shine in our hearts out to a lost and dying world. That's the message that you gave to my wife Mary and myself and our friends Joe and uh, Bobby Jones that Brother Mark knew out in Oklahoma as we went to Indonesia so many years ago to share the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ with the lost Muslim world the largest Muslim country in the world. Why did we go? We went to tell them what Jesus, who He is, and what He had come to do. In the Gospel of John, chapter 17, Jesus mentions three things that He wants His disciples to remember, particularly about what He had done, what they knew. In verse uh, 3, underline this in your Bible. Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Underline that. It's one of the most important verses that our Lord, it's one of the most important statements our Lord ever made. You see, Jesus is God. He is 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says to the world, if you want to know God, you must see it in my face. That's what Paul said. There is no salvation outside of Christ. I say to you, dear friends, our world is filled with teachings of religion and religiosity, and many are going off into Hinduism. In yoga, many are going off to Islam. Some are going off into Hinduism and Buddhism. But I say to you, dear friends, there's only one gospel, and that gospel God has shined into this world in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, if you want to know the true God, you will not find him in Islam. You will not find him in Buddhism. You will not find him in Hinduism. You will not find him in the philosophies of the university. You will find him only as you meet Jesus Christ, who is the glory of God in our lost and dark world. The first thing our Lord Jesus did, and the most important thing, was he came to reveal the living creator God to us. And we know him unashamedly, unabashedly should we say this, that only that to know the only true God is to know Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Our Lord said that. It needs to be a foundation of our church. Look down in verse 8. Actually verse 7, 8 and 9. Jesus says this, Father, I have given them thy word, which thou gavest me. Jesus said, they have received it, and they know surely that I came from thee. They have believed it, that thou didst send me. Our Lord said, not only have I revealed God, but I have revealed to you what God has to say to the world. I know it's not popular. I know it's not particularly tolerant. But I want to say to you, dear friends, what God has said in His Word is true. And we as Bible-believing Christians must continue to believe that regardless of what the world says. God has spoken in His Word. It is true. It is eternal. He will not take it back. And you and I better stand on God's Word. Jesus came to reveal the Father. He came also to give us the true Word of God. And this is the true Word of God. This is the true Word of God. There's a third wonderful thing that Jesus reminded his disciples of. He, he reminds them of the fact that uh, he, he says, I pray, for, I pray for them. He said, I, I don't pray for the world. Right now I'm praying especially for them. That I am glorified in them. Verse 10, look at it, underline it. Father, Father, I want my pur- your purpose I want the eternal purpose of God realized in this world that I might be glorified in them. And that brings us to to where the wheel hits the road. This brings us right down to the very point of application for your life and mine that God in all of His glory shone down at Bethlehem shown in the face of Jesus, might be shown in your life and mine. Underline it right here. It's in verse 10, the latter part, that I am glorified in them. And that's the question. That's the question. In these days, in this church, in this transition, is Christ being glorified in my life, your life personally? 
Our Lord then does something very beautiful. He then prays specifically that the disciples may glorify him in several ways. Look very quickly at them. First of all, as he closes the latter part of chapter 16, it's verse 33. The first thing that Jesus says, or the first way that God is glorified in us, and the first way that the church can see the true vision of God in this world is through Jesus Christ and Him glorified in your life and in mine. Verse 33 of chapter 16. These things I have spoken unto you, he said, that in me you might have peace. Underline that. That's the first thing. What does God pray for? What is God's vision for the church today? That it might be at peace. In his peace. Look at it. That they might have peace. Now in the world, in our everyday life, in our living, in our homes, in your work, in your community, and sometimes even in our church. In churches, we have tribulation, we have difficulty, we have conflict. But look, I have overcome the world. Jesus said, the only way you're going to overcome these issues that sometimes divide Christianity, that divide the church, that divide you and me is to turn our eyes upon Jesus and ask that we might have my peace I give to you is what he said. Oh, do you have his peace in your heart? I found so many whose hearts are in confusion. They're upset they don't have peace. Oh, dear friends, Christ can give you peace. My peace I give unto you. And this is the peace which will get you through. The first thing that Jesus prays for his disciples, the first part of this wonderful vision as his glory shines into us and we see Christ's vision for his people, that I might be glorified in you as you live in peace with one another. There's a second glorious thing that our Lord mentions here, if you will, very quickly. And that is uh, in verse 11. Uh, he prays that I may be glorified in them, that I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep them in thy name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be what? Say it again. That they may be one. Let's say it together. That we might be one. That we might be one. That we might be unified. Now, dear, dear friends, I am now <clears throat> just finished my 11th interim since uh, I left you a number of year, years ago. And uh, I'm seeing in our Baptist churches not unity. I'm seeing disunity. I'm seeing conflict. When the, when, the past, when the church does not have a shepherd, often there arises differences of opinion and differences of ideas. And we begin to get into conflict one with another. Jesus prays not once, not twice, but three times. First, in verse 11. Then in verse 21. That they may be one as thou 
Father art in me and I in them. And he says it again, that they may also be one. And in verse 22, that they may be one. Four times. I find where I go in many churches, they're splitting. Now dear friends, I've been now in the ministry. This is my 66th year in the ministry. Started when I was 18, so you can figure out pretty quickly how old I am. But I want to say to you, dear hearts, never have I seen the church so splintered, so factious, so critical. We're breaking up. And everybody is following their favorite little leader out here and out there. Don't let it happen here. Amen? Amen. Say it again. Say it a third time. Dear friends, Christ is not glorified in a broken church. Christ is not glorified in a fractured church. Christ is not glorified when the body of our blessed Lord, the church, is torn apart, one, uh, one part from another. Our Lord Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, prayed for you and me and this church that we would catch the vision of God, not only that we might be at peace, but that we might be unified. I I have a favorite sermon that I preach on this subject. It actually comes from the book of Psalms, chapter uh, 133. It is a beautiful, beautiful uh, psalm. And uh, when, I, uh, when Mary and I were in Indonesia and we, we taught in the Baptist seminary, uh, I, one of the things that I, I did was I taught... Old Testament, and I taught the Hebrew language. We did this because Hebrew and Arabic are sister languages, and the Indonesians, because they are raised in a Muslim culture and in the Arabic language, most of them already know two-thirds of the words in the Old Testament, not in their own language, but in the original language. And so we would teach them how to read the Hebrew and they could open the Hebrew Bible and speak to the Muslims. And it spoke to the Muslim hearts for they were hungry. And they said Christians have, have uh, they translated the Bible their own way. We don't have the, the true Bible. And those students in just a couple of years could take the Old Testament in the original Hebrew and read it. And this was one of their favorite psalms. Listen very quickly, only a few verses. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren together to dwell together in unity. 133, I'm sorry, chap, Psalm 133, verse 1. Have I heard that before? Yes. President Trump quoted that verse at his inauguration. So you better read it again. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Our nation is not unified. Lord have mercy. You know the story, don't you? Huh? 
You see it every day, how disunified, how literally broken apart. But listen, one of the most surprising things in the world is when God's people are unified. It's not only surprising, but oh, how refreshing it is. Look, why... This unity is like a precious ointment upon the head that runs down over the beard, even Aaron's beard, uh, that went down to the skirts of his garment. Why, it was like the dew of Hermon and the dew that descends upon the mountains of Zion. Now, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you and me, but it simply says that that wonderful fragrance just covered his whole life. Oh, that God would let his fragrance fill my life and yours in the church. I hate to say it, sometimes we stink in the church by our actions and our attitudes. The Holy God says to us now, when you dwell together in peace, when you're one, when you're unified, I want to say to you, it is not only a wonderful surprise for the world, and it's a refreshing, but it's also a blessing. Look at that last verse. 133 and verse 3, he says, For there the Lord commands the blessing, even for life evermore. Where does God command his blessing? God commands his blessing where the glory of God shines down, shines down. And he shines down where there is peace, where there is oneness, where there is unity, also where there is joy. Now let's go back very quickly at John chapter 17, and it's verse 13. Remember, first of all, Jesus prays that, his, that uh, they may catch the vision, a vision of a church that lives in peace with one another. Secondly, a church that surprisingly, joyfully is blessed when they are unified together. They are one. Thirdly, Jesus says, oh, I pray that they might have joy. Verse 13, that they may have my joy filling them. My joy. My joy. Now we have a, a wonderful church. We have wonderful leaders. And we expect the leaders to be prepared and to present music and a wonderful worship time together. But I want to tell you, dear friends, worship is not a game. Worship is not an act. It is not a gig it is for the glory of God as we come together prayerfully, humbly, as we come together in peace, as we come together unified, as we come together with a joy of the Lord in our hearts. That's what God wants for His church. I believe that's what God wants for this church. Do you? Do you? There's one other thing that He says. Look in verse 26, John 17, 26. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. The greatest of these is love, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. It is not a love that's manufactured. It's not a physical love. 
It's a love that is born of the Spirit of God in your heart. Some people are not very lovely. Something, some are more beautiful than others. Some of us have lost that beauty. Some of us try to cover it up a little bit. In fact, as my mother up in Virginia used to say, a little paint helps any old barn. <laughs> so I asked my wife to help me pick out the right color shirt and tie and coat. I'd like to present the best, the best face I've got. It's a wonderful story from history. Abraham Lincoln was, ba- was debating uh, Mr. Douglas in one of the great debates. And Douglas accused Abraham Lincoln of being two-faced. And with that wonderful dry wit that that good man had. When he stood up to speak, he said, Well, I, I must begin by answering answering a question that Mr. Douglas presented to me. Abraham Lincoln is speaking. He said, I want to ask Mr. Douglas a question. Sir, if if I had another face, do you think I would wear this one? (laughs) Well, dear friends, God wants us to put on the best spiritual face you can out of a pure heart, out of a pure heart for His glory in the church. And with that, I close with this marvelous, marvelous benediction from the lips of the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Listen to how Paul brings together the church at Ephesus. Lord, did they have have problems at Ephesus? For one thing, the the temple of Diana was there. And another thing, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there, living with John. And the church sort of mixed them both together and began to call Mary, the mother of Jesus, the mother of God. That's where that began, at Ephesus. Ephesus had all kinds of problems, doctrinal problems. Personality problems, cultural issues. But Paul loved the church at Ephesus. And he, he teaches them and he prays for them and he draws them together. And he draws them together in this wonderful, wonderful benediction. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Grab a hold of that now. Unto Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout the ages, world without end. Hmm. He's praying the same thing Jesus prayed. That God, that God's glory might shine into the church and through the church to a lost and dying world. That it may shine through them for the glory of God. And as that glory shines down, you see God is working mightily in us. Unto Him 
who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we even ask or think. I want to tell you, dear friends, if you think the best days of this church are behind you, you need to get on your knees. Because the best days of God's church is still ahead of it. Because the King is coming. The King is coming. The sunrise this morning reminded you and me, one of these days, out of the east, the glory of God is going to shine. And we're going to see the face of Jesus coming for His church. That's the glory of God. That's the vision our Savior gives us. And oh dear friends, let us rise now to that task. To be a people of peace. A people that is unified. A people of joy. A people of sincere love one for the other. Will you commit yourself to it in these coming days? Will you pray for your pulpit committee? Will you pray for your church leaders now? Will you be, will you be active? Will you continue to come? Don't let the devil drive you away. Don't wander off. Don't start visiting around. We got plenty of pews right here for you to sit in. And it's a wonderful congregation. May God bless you and lead you through these days that the glory of God might shine from this place into this lost world. That's our commitment today. And I, I just can't close without inviting you to Jesus. If you're here this morning, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, did you hear it? The God of creation is the one who is, shines into the face of Jesus and he gives you the glory of God in your heart as you receive him by faith. Brother Lee is going to stand here. We're going to sing an invitational hymn. And we invite you to make that decision right now for the glory of God. Would you stand as our leaders come now to uh, lead us? And Brother Lee is going to stand here in front. And we're going to sing a couple of verses of Just As I Am. And we invite you to come right now. Brother Lee. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me.
eyes are closed for just a moment, let me ask you a question. Is this the place God wants you to serve? There may be folks here today that uh, are looking for a church home. Uh, this could very well be the place that God wants you. There are folks that this is your church home, but it's been a while since you've, uh, since you've really been serving. This could very well be the place that God wants you to step up fill some gaps and, and to, to do some things that maybe you haven't done in a while. I'm going to ask we sing one more verse and I'm going to be in the altar to receive you and, and you come as God leads. news of being cancer free uh, I could sit here and I could thank each and every one of you until the cows come home uh, you know at the beginning it just it seemed like it was just uh, it was a dream and it's been six years of hard 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 journey but I'm here to tell you, I serve an awesome God, no matter what. It doesn't matter what ailment, what illness, if you've lost someone, it doesn't matter what it is. If you can wake up the next morning and smile about something, that is something. God can take anything that I've got away, and it won't matter, because I have my family, and I have God, and he's healed me. I have other problems that I hide every day from the family, but it doesn't matter. You could throw anything at me, and I know one thing, that God's going to always be on my side. He's going to always take care of me, and I'm no longer going to be anxious about this world or anything that comes my way. Because as pe we all know as a family, and you all are my family. You've known me since I was born, since I crawled under the pews, since I got in trouble in the balcony. But I'm telling you, when God wants to get your attention, he'll get your attention. He has dropped me to my knees so many times I can't even count. He has banged me back and forth like a pinball machine, but I'm here to tell you, I have understand finally, understood finally, that God just wants everything that we have, and he wants us to trust him with everything we have, no matter how much we don't understand it. And how hard it may seem, you've got to love them in the good, you've got to love them in the bad, and we've got to go outside these doors and forget about what everybody else is saying. Don't let them tell you that it can't happen. Don't, don't let someone tell you that it's a diagnosis that we 
cannot cure. I'm here to tell you, he can do it. He could squash us like a bug in a second. But he also can give us riches beyond beyond our wildest dreams. And Eastwood has always been a driving force for me. And I'm here to tell you guys, we all just need to go out and stop worrying about what's wrong in our lives and just lay it at his feet and not think about it again. Because he'll take care of it on his time. And if it doesn't happen, he's got something else for you. And like I said, I mean, I had no idea Friday was going to happen the way it did. But I know keeping the faith in God and keeping my love in my family. And I'm here to tell you, Eastwood, anything can happen with God. We have a few announcements, and I don't know where to begin, so Heather will let you begin. I just want to say, yesterday um, we had the women's Christmas party, and it was such a good turnout. We have 55 ladies come. Um, <laughs> so the fellowship hall was packed. Um, I was telling the ladies, if, and we were still missing like a lot of faces around here. I can see a lot of y'all weren't there. If everyone had come, we would have moved the food outside, I guess, because <laughs> there would be nowhere else for us to sit. But it was such a fun day, and I told the ladies, I just wanted a day of fun and fellowship, and I think that's what we had yesterday. Um, so thank y'all for who helped and who came. Um, but it's not over, like Mr. Lee said. We're going to go carol to the shut-ins tonight. And so we ask for anyone to come out. Lee's still going to do a service for those who can't. But we are going to go visit about 10 shut-ins tonight. I've called them Thursday. They know we're coming. And they are so excited for us to come visit their houses and just sing a few Christmas songs. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to meet at the church in the Fellowship Hall at 5.30 tonight. So if you can come. We're going to split into three different groups, and I have houses for each group to visit. I have it all organized. I have my leaders. So we're going to come, split up, and leave. If you want a carpool, we need people to drive their cars. So if you would like to volunteer to do that, we need cars. And also we're going to come back then when everyone gets done caroling and just have some hot chocolate and some cookies and just some time of fellowship after we get done caroling. So I just invite you to come out tonight and carol to our shut-ins. Thank you. Tori, do you know what's going on Wednesday night in regards to the children's ministry? Well, come up here and tell us. While she's coming to tell this, our Constitution calls for us to uh, announce, I believe, three times before a special call conference. And uh, this Wednesday, we will have a special call conference for the purpose of presenting the uh, church budget. Uh, there may be uh, some uh, committee announcements as well, but for sure for the, for the church budget. So that will be this Wednesday evening in the midst of. This coming up Wednesday, we also have a Secret Santa shop that's being hosted by our children's ministry. So the children of Eastwood and in our communities, we're going to set up a shop and we're going to have elves. Volunteers come as elves so we can help uh, the children shop for their family members and loved ones. Everything in that shop is $2 and under, so everyone has an opportunity to come shop. 
We need people who will be able to come and wrap gifts and just to love on their families. For the families that are bringing their children, we're also going to have a dinner for them. So we'd love for you to come be a part, whether you help in the Secret Santa shop or if you help during the dinner. Thank you. Oh my goodness, what a week. Did I miss anything? Is there another announcement that I should have made that you're saying, I hope he says that? It's your chance right now. Nobody? Okay. What are you getting me for Christmas? So you thought you had all your shopping done, didn't you? Let's stand. Heavenly Father, what a day. What a day this has been to be in your presence, to hear God's word preached, to share fellowship, to give, to pray, to hug, and now to leave this place today and to go and share it with the world, to tell them about Christ, our Savior. Father, might we be found faithful in doing that. Be with us as we come back this evening, whether it be to go caroling or whether it be to come and and spend a time of worship, Father, whatever it is, Father, we anticipate the rest of this day. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.